Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle here with still images of Steve Green and Scott Ott. This is a right angle show, but one that's going to be different for two reasons. First of all, I'm reading from a prepared script here. And second, Steve and Scott are here in spirit, but not in person, simply because I didn't want to put them through this for reasons that will be clear in just a moment. Now, I've spent the last several months thinking a great deal about a book called The Fourth Turning. You're going to hear that name and that book a lot from me in the next week and months. However, in a pistachio-sized nutshell, Strauss and Howe have noticed a remarkably well-documented cyclical pattern to human history. It's an 80-year cycle, give or take a few years that the Romans, who also noticed this pattern, called the seculum. Now, while the average lifespan has increased spectacularly since then, humans still live lives that are about 80 years long, four score years. Now, Earth has four seasons, obviously, spring, summer, fall, and winter. Believers in this theory of human behavior, and I become more staunchly one of them every single day, see each human life divided into four seasons as well, each of about 20 years long, childhood, young adulthood, maturity, and then decline into old age. These 20-year segments are what we today call generations, and according to Strauss, Howe, and many others now, the way a particular generation thinks and acts, the values they hold and the behavior they exhibit is consistently and therefore predictably tied to where that generation is born in reference to the last great existential crisis of this 80-year cycle. And these crises come every 80 years, every seculum, every maximum human lifespan, because they are in fact created by the speculum. The theory states that every 80 years, society is faced with a major, utterly transformational existential crisis. Not just regular wars are fighting, an existential crisis. Now, the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776, but most of the American Revolution was fought in the 1780s. So, add one seculum, 80 years, a long human life, full human life, to the 1780s, and you get the 1860s, which is, of course, the Civil War. Add another seculum, another 80 years, to the 1860s, and you get the 1940s, which, of course, was World War II. Add 80 years to the 1940s, and you get... Well, you get the 2020s. Now, there's much, much, much more to it than that. But every one of you can feel things unraveling and that a crisis is coming. In fact, how's follow-up to the fourth turning is called The Fourth Turning is Here. The fourth turning does the math and provides the data to what I think is one of the greatest truisms I have ever heard, and that is simply this. Strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make bad times bad times make strong men. Now, three days after Mitt Romney lost the 2012 election, I gave an impromptu speech saying that I was certain that the next president of the United States would be a Republican, that he would not be a politician, and that he would come to us via the pop culture. Now, using that same broadband radar, I believe I have at least the outlines of what this next crisis that we're facing is going to be. After years of study accumulating in a series I did for Daily Wire called The Cold War, what we saw, I am utterly convinced that this next crisis will not be an existential World War III. We already fought World War III and it stayed cold because nuclear weapons utterly changed the equation. I don't think it's going to be China or Russia or now Iran or all three combined. I'm not saying there's not going to be more fighting. There's always fighting. But what I am saying is I don't think the next existential crisis is going to be a war. I believe the next crisis 
is going to be a single crisis that comes at us from three directions, because here's what I think is going to happen. First, all the evidence is telling me that American cities are collapsing and that they're going to continue to collapse until they are, for all intents and purposes, unlivable, uninhabitable wastelands. Now, that's going to create tens of millions of American refugees inside America. Second, the border crisis, as we've seen just a few days ago in Gaza, has already allowed millions of military-aged single males to enter the country illegally and much more to the point, largely without bringing their families with them. And if you think that this is going to be a black problem or a Hispanic problem or even an immigrant problem, let me correct that for you right now. Because I think the third front, actually probably the worst front in this coming crisis, is going to consist of mostly white, mostly well-off, mostly liberal, and mostly suburban generation who through no fault of their own, and I cannot say that enough, through no fault of their own, have the emotional frailty of a four-year-old, a generation which has been brainwashed every day of their lives to despise their own country, to refuse to accept any kind of authority, to play the victim card at every opportunity, and which is the most rebellious and by far the most poorly educated, angry, resentful, unhappy, entitled generation in human history. So you heard it here first. I think the next crisis is not going to be red versus blue. It's not going to be black versus white. It won't be Republican versus Democrat. And it won't be liberals versus conservatives. The next crisis will be, I suppose I should say, the next crisis is the battle between the law abiding and the lawless. You can write that down if you want. Now, here's the most mind-blowing part of this seculum theory of history. The heroes of this coming crisis are going to be drawn from, now sit down, wait for it, and take a deep breath. The heroes of this next crisis are going to come from Gen Z. Now, that means that our job is going to be to give those kids the weapons that they need to fight and win that war because this next crisis is not going to be a shooting war. It's going to be an information war. It's going to be a philosophical war. It's going to be a moral war. Ultimately, it's going to be a spiritual war. And look, if we can't deliver the ammunition to those who are going to need it, then we're essentially useless. And I don't care to, nor can I afford to be useless. And frankly, right now, neither can you. So here are some things to come. Right Angle will continue to be here for you, the audience that's watching the show right now. Steve, Scott, and I will do our best to keep you informed every week, but mostly we're here to help keep some perspective and throw in a little humor and help all of us remain hopeful and sometimes even sane as we sail through this storm that's already upon us. But to actually deliver the ammunition, we have to escape the YouTube and Facebook algorithms that have, over the last two years, taken what was a badly performing firewall from 300,000 views in five days to a point where the average views for the most recent five firewalls is 23,000 views each, and that's over several months. Now, I didn't do that. I didn't change anything. They did. But there it is, and there's nothing I can do about it. To get around this, to get the ammunition out of the factory and out into the hands of the people that need it, and soon, I've been working on two new series ideas. The first one I'm calling, spoiler alert, how to tell a story. Now, 
took me a while to realize it, but turns out I made some famous friends over the years. And I'm going to be talking with them about telling stories, which really means we're going to be talking about right and wrong, courage and cowardice, good and evil, and all the rest. Now, so far, we have solid confirmations from my friends like John Voigt, Gary Sinise, Mike Rowe, Adam Baldwin, Tom Dreesen, Kelly Carlson, Bert Rutan, Dick Rutan, and many, many others to come because everyone I've asked so far has said yes. That show is going to go wide. It's going to do an end run around the algorithm because we're not going to be talking about politics. We're going to do something much more important, much deeper than that. We're going to be talking about morality. I'm going to use star power. I'm going to use the power of celebrities to teach an entirely new audience about right and wrong and how we learn these things through stories. Now, also, I'm working on a second animated, kind of lighthearted science fiction project about four astronauts who've been stranded on a highly advanced top-secret military moon base that was established in 1966. It uses the Unreal Game Engine to show young people what the world of 2023 looks like through the eyes of four steely-eyed missile men who grew up with the A-OK, can-do, let's light this candle, space-age mindset that I was lucky enough to be a part of, and I have high expectations for that as well, however. I plan to roll out a membership drive featuring spoiler alert during the first week of September, but I had to hold on to that for another two weeks due to scheduling conflicts with my first two guests, John Voigt and Gary Sinise. Second, I've been very busy with final notes for my fourth history series for Daily Wire. It's an eight-episode series called An Empire of Terror. It is, I believe, having watched them now, the most damning indictment of communism, Marxism, and Leninism to date anywhere ever. It's a punch in the gut, and as you can see, it just looks spectacular. Third and finally, I'm wrapping up a non-documentary feature film screenplay also for Daily Wire about the amazing, really unbelievable true story of World War I pilot Frank Luke, who was the first pilot to win the Medal of Honor. It's a real movie, it's not a documentary, and it's a damn good movie, but it too has taken a lot more research than I originally thought. Now, over the years, at least once a week, we've done one show specifically for the members at BillWhittle.com, who make and who have made all of this and all the rest of it possible. Well, today for the first time ever, this right angle is specifically excluding those fine people who've been astonishingly generous and supportive over the years. If you're a member of BillWhittle.com currently, you can just stop right here. And as you know, you have our daily things. My father was a boy throughout the Great Depression. And the only time I ever saw my father cry was when he told me about watching his neighbors rummaging through garbage cans for food when he was a kid. When COVID hit in 2020, I received on three separate occasions offers from Wells Fargo Bank for very large, interest-free, federally-backed loans, and they made it very clear to me that these would simply be forgiven if I could not pay them back, and many, many well-off people who didn't need the money took them anyway. If I had accepted one of those offers, or two, or all three of them, that they sent to me, by the way, then I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about this, but I didn't take them. And I didn't take them for three reasons. First of all, my business is internet-based, so I thought it was more or less COVID-proof, and it was. I didn't take them because I thought other businesses needed them more than I did. I saw restaurants closing everywhere. But the main reason I didn't take them was because they felt like a handout. And for better or worse, my father and mother instilled in me a lifelong sense that holding out a hand and asking for money 
was the most shameful thing that you could do. And I still feel that way. I guess I will always feel that way. This is excruciating for me, and I have put it off for as long as I possibly can. But now, I have no option left other than to ask those of you who watched the show for free some 2,000 times to make a one-time donation of whatever you can. The midterm future, not even the midterm future, the short-term future is great. But whatever help you can give us, we need right now. We really need it, and we need it today. Look, I'm uh, not a salesman. I think it should be fairly obvious by now. But salesmen tell me that if you don't do this right now at the end of the show, then the chance of you doing it at all drops to about 5%. So let me just leave you with this. Early in the war, February 9th, 1941 to be exact, a proud but clear-eyed Winston Churchill went hat in hand to FDR and the American people to essentially beg for help because he wasn't getting it. And without it, he was going to lose his country. He said to them what I'm saying to our non-members now. He said, we shall not fail or falter. We shall not weaken or tire. Neither the sudden shock of battle nor the long-drawn trials of vigilance and exertion will wear us down. Give us the tools, said Churchill, and we will finish the job. The link for a one-time donation or, of course, a membership, if you're so inclined, is right below us. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. We'll see you next time right here on Right Angle.